0: hello and welcome back to the queer agenda podcast i um love recording these i think they're so fun and i'm just i love um learning more history and stuff like that and talking about it so thanks for listening if you've been listening so far um today i wanted to talk about something that i actually talk a lot about with my friends and things like that and i could talk about it forever but Hopefully I won't talk about it for that long on this podcast so that you're not listening to it for like an hour. But so what I wanted to talk about today is the history of pink, the color pink, a very brief overview of pink throughout history, why I chose pink and red as queer agenda colors um, and what pink means to me because it has, I, I have, I have a long standing relationship with the color pink. So let's just get right into it. So Pink um, has been around since about the 1700s. That's when it first became fashionable in the West. Um, And pink was not considered a girl's color, but it was considered more appropriate for little boys to wear because it was seen as a paler shade of red, which had a masculine military undertone, or at least that was their reasoning. So the feminization of pink didn't really start until the mid-19th century when men started wearing darker uh like more sober colors and I'm not sure why there was that shift in men's fashion from lighter colors to more dark sober um honestly boring colors um but yeah that's kind of when it started happening and pink also developed erotic connotations around this time because it said that it hinted at like nakedness um and lingerie in shades of pink became increasingly common as it references to the color sexual allure in literature and art. And it was always in relation to the female body. And all of that information that I'm getting is coming from about the color pink is coming from this book called pink, the color of a punk, pretty powerful color by Valerie Steele. She did an interview with CNN. um, And that's kind of where I'm pulling this information from. Um, Yeah. I love the color pink. I'm going to talk about it so often. So by the 1950s, pink had become more gender coded than ever. And I think that's also because we see the um, emergence of Barbie, Barbie pink and things like that. Um, That's when it became pink is for girls, blue is for boys, which I don't I don't understand why blue was considered a masculine color. I didn't get that far in my research, honestly, Um, but that would be something interesting to look into. So the, when we get into queer history in uh, like relation to pink, uh, pink triangles were used in concentration camps by the Nazis um, to identify homosexuals in the camps. Um, and it became a symbol of gay activism in the 1970s. And the color became increasingly associated with the LGBTQ community. And we see that a lot in um, the AIDS crisis. There was a lot of pink triangles and just pink flying around. Um, And in France, AIDS was sometimes referred to as the pink plague, which I didn't know, which I thought was super cool to kind of learn about. Um, There was something else I was going to say about gay activism in the 70s with the color pink, but I can't remember what I was going to say. So it probably wasn't important. Anyways, and then there's this there's different specific shades of pink. So Baker Miller pink um, is one of the most common pinks I see. Um, like, especially on Twitter, there was like a poll that went around. It was like, what's the best color of pink and Baker Miller pink one. Um, so Baker Miller pink was used in prisons for a hot second because it was believed to tame like delinquent behavior in prisons in the 1970s. And there have been a lot of studies shown that that's not true, um, to like debunk that theory, but that's kind of where it started. And it's called Baker Miller pink because it was named after two correctional officers in a prison. I don't remember what prison it was, um, but I thought that was really interesting. So with colors, they have different codes that you can type in um, on the color wheel and it'll give you that specific shade. So the Baker Miller pink hex code is FF91AF. The QA pink, queer agenda pink uh, hex code is FFF3FF. So they're kind of similar, but not really. Um, we also have recently seen an emergence of um it's no it was known as stunning pink um, and that's the kind of pink we see Marilyn Monroe wearing in um gentlemen prefer blondes um Jackie Kennedy wore a lot of the stunning pink and it's since become known as millennial pink um I don't know what the hex code is for that. we could look it up let's see Let's go to Google millennial. Mm. Oh, my gosh. So the millennial pink hex code is F3CFC6. Um, so not super close to the queer agenda pink, but still, I mean, a good pink. I, I love the color pink. Pretty much anything that I can find in that color, I will buy and I will wear and I will do whatever. Like I when I did my TED talk, I wore a pink suit. Because Elle Woods made me into the woman that I am today. I If a book is pink, the likelihood that I will buy it just because it's pink is, like, absurdly high. And my relationship with pink is really interesting because I was, like, traditional, like, girly girl when I was a kid. And I loved pink and I loved sparkles and all that stuff. And then as I was kind of getting older, like, I was almost shamed for my love of my femininity. And it was seen as like, well, you're not strong because you're girly. And I was like, oh, OK, because when you're a kid, you don't know like you don't know better. So then I switched and I was like, I hate pink. I'm I'm going to be a tomboy. I want everything to be blue and whatever. And blah, blah, blah. And then I was kind of in that headspace for a while. And then I as I got older, like graduated high school, started doing undergrad I kind of reverted back to it because I was like, why should I be ashamed of my femininity? It is a it's a part of who I am. If you've seen pictures of me, like I'm a very feminine person. I present very femme and that's totally fine. I totally went through like a phase maybe when I was like a freshman in high school. So like, how old are you when you're a freshman in high school? You're probably like 14, 15, where I wanted to be butch. And it just didn't work. It was so. I got a horrible, horrible like haircut. It wasn't like super short or anything. It was still so long. It was like a long bob. But it was just like there was no layers. It was just like cut straight across and it was awful. And I played sports. I did basketball and all this stuff. And that was when I was really like kind of in the throes of trying to assert like I could be a masculine person. And it just didn't work. Um, And so I just kind of like walked to the beat of my own drum after that. And I kind of I wasn't not presenting femme. But I also I don't know. I was kind of in this weird in between. But now that I'm an adult, I just turned 22. So I'm in my early 20s now, um, officially. I've really, like, come back around to, like, my childhood love of pink and sparkles and femininity because I find so much power and strength in my femininity, and I think it really helps make me who I am. And I just, I find so much, I don't know, yeah, I just find so much power in it, and I think it's really, really beautiful um, that I've been able to kind of turn that around and say, like, no, I can be strong as a femme person, and I am valid as a femme queer person um yeah I just I love sparkles and I love Elle Woods and I love you know like it's it's such a beautiful thing to be a woman and there's so many different ways to be a woman but like I just I don't know I find so much strength and love and power and light in my femininity and I think that's really beautiful I feel like you know those that TikTok trend that went around for a while where it was like how I love to be a woman. And it was all these beautiful clips of women throughout cinema and history and girls' friends laughing together. And then there was this beautiful, beautiful quote from this book that I've read called Everything I Know About Love by Dolly Alder Alderton. excuse me. And she says, everything I know about love I've learned in my long-term relationships with women. And I just, I love this celebration of femininity and womanhood and female friendships and things like, it's just so be- Like I could talk about it for hours. It's just so beautiful. And yeah, I love it. So when I started Queer Agenda um last year, I went through a, a period where I was like, I don't know what I want the brand colors to be, or like I hate calling it a brand, but like that's, I, I guess that's what it is. I hate that word um when describing Queer Agenda, but when I was thinking about it, I went through a bunch of different colors and there was a while where it was um, the Texas flag colors. Cause I was like, Oh, Texas, like there's a lot of strength in, you know, Southern uh, grassroots organizations. I want to honor that. And then I realized it was red, white, and blue. And I was like, that's a little too patriotic (laughs) for me and for this organization that I want to start. So I'm not going to do that. And then I don't remember what it was, but I was like, why not pink? I was like, why not pink and red? And so the reason I chose pink was because I, that's kind of around the time when I was starting to realize my love of pink and femininity and coming back around to that. Um, and it was also, I wanted to honor the lives that had been lost, um, in the Holocaust, um, with the pink triangles, uh, that were used to identify homosexuals or suspected homosexuals and just how they were treated. Um, if you're up for it, doing the research into that can be really, really heavy. I haven't done very much of it just because it's hard um, to read about the community going through something, to read about the world going through something as awful as that was. Um, but if you're up for it and you're interested, um, doing that research is really interesting um, and honorable. So shout out to everybody who can do that on the daily because I cannot. Um And then it was also this sort of like pink had been reclaimed in the punk movement. And I had talked a little bit about the punk movement. No, I talked a lot about the punk movement. There's a whole episode about it. Um, In a recent podcast episode, I talked about the history of punk and queer core and things like that. And the Ramones and the Clash kind of um, reclaimed that. And Debbie Harry, I think, was so integral in that as well, because she was this punk princess who you know she did the hair and the makeup and she was out there and she was feminine and she was a badass I mean she still is and I just I find a lot of power in that and I find a lot of like I just I bow down to Debbie Harry no matter what um so I wanted to honor that and I wanted to honor the lives that had been lost during the HIV AIDS crisis um and just that generation of people that we had lost so that's why I picked Pink um, and the red comes from it's the same thing. I wanted to honor the people who had lost, um, been lost through the HIV/AIDS crisis. So blood, um, that's why it's red. But I also wanted to talk about history or make a statement about history through the red. And so that's why it's kind of wavy, is because I think that history is such an important thing, and it, I think it's something that gets embedded into our bodies. Um, and we see this a lot through how we study trauma and how trauma lives in the body and stays within the body and affects um, functions and things like that. And so if trauma stays in the body like that, who's to say that history doesn't do the same thing, whether it's positive or it's negative, history stays within the body. So I wanted to honor the queer ancestors who came before us and like make a statement that even though they're gone and we may have never met them, they, their history is still within us. And I just think that's such a beautiful thought to think of all these people who we read about and we think about and we honor during Pride and we honor every other day of the year. I think it's a beautiful thing to think that they're within us in some sort of way. And maybe that's just me being hippy-dippy. I don't know. I'm a little bit of a hippy-dippy girl. But I don't know. There's just something about that that is really beautiful to think that, you know, these people fought for us. And that fight is in our bodies and our souls and our minds. And they pass that down to us, whether we know it or not, even if we're not blood related, it's still this beautiful, beautiful act of connection. And I don't know. Yeah, I find a lot of peace in that. I think that there are, I don't know, I could do a whole episode about queer spirituality, too, because it's such an interesting um, phenomenon. And there's different facets of it, and, like, the relation between queerness and women being accused of being witches. Yeah, there's there's so much that goes into it, and I would love to do an episode about it and do more research about it. But yeah, so that's why there's the waves with the Queer Agenda logo, because it's kind of like the pink background, and that is the Queer Agenda pink. And then the red waves... So Queer gender Pink honors the Holocaust, those we lost during HIV AIDS crisis. Same thing with the red does the same thing. And the waves were the blood, but they were also the way that um, we move throughout time. It's kind of like a pendulum. It swings each way. Um, And so because of that, the movement is always changing and it's ever flowing. So that's why it's a little bit wavy and it's a little bit contained. So it's like we can all connect to this because it's right here. But. They're, everybody's on their own wavelength everybody is doing their own thing everybody's gonna have different connections and that's so beautiful um so yeah that's a little bit of why queer agenda pink exists and why the logo is what it is um, and I just found a lot of beauty in reclaiming pink for myself but also for queer agenda um, and I just I don't know yeah I just I love it and I find so much take a shot every time I say that I find so much power in it and love and I just, I don't know. Yeah. I really, yeah. Intelligent thoughts from Madeline English. I just, yeah. But yeah, so that was a, I was way shorter than I thought I was going to be, but yeah, that's my episode on the history of pink and why queer agenda pink is what it is and my relationship to the color pink. So Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so much to be said about femininity and, um, its relationship to movements and things like that. But yeah, I don't know. There's, there's lots of different ways to be feminine. There's lots of different ways to find power in your body and things like that. And pink is just one of the ways that I do that. So yeah, I think it's really beautiful. So thank you for listening. You can listen to us anywhere that you get your podcasts. Um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I don't I don't know where else. I really should know where else we're based, but I don't. Um, so yeah, good luck. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening. You can read us on Spotify, and you can follow us on all social medias at I keep saying us. You can follow me on all social medias at the Queer Agenda 15. Um, that's gonna be our TikTok, our Instagram. Um, we have it there is a YouTube channel, but I don't update it as much as I should. Um But yeah, it's out there. You can follow us on Spotify and do that and uh, keep up with the blog. I'm going to be writing some more stuff, hopefully soon and uploading it. So yeah, thank you for listening.